I want to talk about this uh, relationship versus fellowship. Now turn with me in the book of in the book of First John, please, if you don't mind. We are in church, so Reader's Digest shouldn't be our first place to turn to, okay? Or the medical journal. Uh, it might seem archaic to the world, but we still go with the word as our primary pillar of truth. Amen. First John, first, can you turn with me there, please? First John chapter one and verse three, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ, Amen. fellowshipping with the father and with the son. Notice he said, have fellowship with us. So he likened fellowship with a human to his fellowship with God, meaning the same way that you conceive fellowshipping with somebody in, in physical realm, you can fellowship that same way with God in the spiritual realm. Okay. Now, Father, bless them. Open up their hearts. They didn't just come for worship, although it's been sweet. They didn't just come for healing, although it's been marvelous. They didn't just come for fellowship, although it's been precious. But, Father, we've come for your word. So I thank you for hungry hearts to receive and respond and that they would receive the incorruptible seed of the truth of the word of God going into dark, rich heart soil. They are the 25% dirt. I declare everyone in this room has 25% heart soil and it will go in and it will produce and it will be 30, 60, 100 fold according to how much they're hungry for it. And I declare it in Jesus' name. Those that are watching, Father, let them feel connected. Let them feel loved. Let them feel like they're sitting right here with us. Lord, they can eat popcorn and we can't, so God bless them for that. But Father, let them feel close to us because there is no time or distance in the Spirit. And we welcome the rest of our congregation who's watching tonight. Now, 1 John 1, 3, I read. Now, Genesis 5 and 22. Let your fingers do the walking, please. Genesis 5 and verse 22. And Enoch, I can't wait for y'all. I got to keep going now. And Enoch, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. In verse 24, and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Cheapers, creepers, talk about, talk about fellowship. He didn't even die. He just got so far, and this is old covenant. He got so far over into God's presence that he just stepped over. That's astonishing. Uh, this, is, this is a deep form of fellowship. Go over the next chapter, chapter 6 and verse 9. And I, I can give you dozens and dozens, but for sake of time, I'm just giving you a few because they're found all through the Bible. But Genesis 6, 9, there are, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Amen. To walk with God means to know him or to have fellowship with him. Do you see that? Now, Exodus, 30, Exodus 33, can you turn there? Just giving you some, some foundational background. Uh, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14. This is when the people had messed up and God says, I'm going to send my angel, but I'm not going with you into the promised land. And Moses says, uh, not so fast. I'm not going if you don't go with us. So it says, uh, let's... Uh, Look at verse 12, Exodus 33, 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, thy way. Yeah. Yeah. He made known his acts to the children of Israel, but his ways to Moses. Ways behind the scene. How God thinks is fellowship. It's knowing him. That I may what? Know thee. Do you see that? Show me thy way that I may know thee. 
This is a intimacy. This is fellowshipping. Knowing God's ways is fellowship. It's knowing him. That I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separate. Oh, this is powerful. This is the answer. Basically, I'm not, I'm not knocking intellectualism because we have a brain, we should use it. But this is the answer to all forms of evangelism. You don't have to know everything about Islam to talk to a Muslim because they'll probably know more than you. But if you can talk to them and the presence of God can come out of you and touch them and they can't understand it, they can't put their finger on it, they don't know how, there's no, there's no, they can't quantify what's happening, but there's something in their heart that goes, I feel something is different about you. I don't understand it. Yeah. I feel a love. I feel a conviction of sin. I feel, what is that? That's this. Yes, amen. That's what separates us from everyone else on this planet because no other religion has the presence of God. They've got deception, they've got devils, they've got a lot of, they've got intellectualism, but none of them have God other than us. I know that sounds a very narcissistic statement, but it is. We, today in our society, they're so pressuring everybody to say, just be open-minded, nobody truly has the truth. No, no, we do have the truth. No, we actually do have the truth. And that's what they say is a lie because the Bible is the pillar, the Bible says, of all truth. God is truth and in him there is no shadow of turning. We have the truth, and the truth and the presence makes a difference. It separates us. How one will be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also as you have spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, Lord, I beseech thee, show me your glory. He said, show me your way. Then he said, I want to know you. Notice, these term, notice the terminologies. Show me your ways, Lord. I don't just want to see your acts with the pillar and the fire and the miracles. I want to know your ways. I want to know you. And then, Lord, show me your glory. And he answers and he says, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and show mercy unto whom I show mercy. So, you know, he put him in the rock, he passed by, and he saw the back part of God, but he saw the glory in a measure, because if he saw it fullness, he'd die. And no human can see it in fullness or we would die. We need a special body to see the glory of God in fullness. And even Jesse, when he went to heaven and he was at the throne, that angel kept giving him that fruit, do you remember? And he would eat that, that special fruit and it would give his physical body strength because he could, and he, he said, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body, but he says, I do believe my, it was my physical body in heaven. He, he can't say that definitively, but he said, I do believe my physical body, it wasn't another body. It was like my, his body had an out-of-body experience, but not an out-of-body, his, actually his body left. That's what he believes. Although, like Paul said, whether I'm in the body, out of the body, I can't tell, because sometimes these supernatural experiences you can't say definitively, but he believed it was his physical earthly body that was in heaven in that experience. Why? Because he was so weak. And nobody else was eating the fruit there at the throne room but him because everybody else had glorified bodies that can withstand the glory. But he didn't. He had an earth suit, and he needed that special, whatever that stuff was, to give him strength. See, there's things about the Spirit we don't fully understand, but we'll understand when we get there. My point is, is that uh, he saw the glory of God. Notice how he's using terms like, I want to know your ways. I want to know you. I want to see your glory. These are all intimacy terms of fellowship. They're not necessarily relationship terms. They're deeper than relationship. 
their fellowship terms. Now have a look with me, please, in the book of 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. Can you go over to the New Testament? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. And let's go 5 to 7. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, fellowship with him. You see that word? And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. We'll come back to this, but there's an interesting concept here. You can be born again and sin, right? That Jesus will forgive you if you repent. But when you truly know God, you won't sin. Because fellowship, notice it says fellowship, we walk not in darkness. You're letting it settle. That's okay. Now, John 15, verse 7. Not 1 John, but the book of John 15, verse 7. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Did you notice the condition of whatever you ask you'll get if there's an abiding? But that abiding is beyond relationship. Because this, is, this is requires faith. To have whatever you ask takes great faith. But you can't have faith if you don't have fellowship. So that abiding is more than just being born again. That abiding is knowing him. Amen. Knowing his ways. Okay? Amen. Let me couple more and then I'll explain more. Matthew 14 and verse 23. Matthew 14 and verse 23. Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, and this is, of course, all through the Gospels, you read this repeatedly. I'm just giving you one verse, but there are many. He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. What do you think he was doing? He was praying. What is prayer? Communication with God. What was Jesus doing? He was fellowshipping with his Father. We know in John 14, 15, 16, and 17, he repeatedly says, my father is in me and I in him. He knows me and I know him. What was he doing on these times of prayer? He was fellowshipping with the father. He, wasn't, he already had relationship. So the relationship is done. Now he needs to go into the deeper realms of relationship, which is called fellowship. One more scripture is Philippians 3.10. They're all the best, but I saved the best for last. Philippians 3.10, and it says that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. Notice what happens after you know him. Did you see that? And the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Well, notice he says that I may know him, and then he says that I'm going to, if I can know him, I'm going to know his power. And then notice he also says, see, nobody wants to talk about the next part. They just want to talk about the power. But he also talked about the fellowship of his sufferings. Mm-hmm. Now this, some theologians, and rightfully so, means being persecuted, suffering physically. You know, being whipped or hurt or beaten or maligned or sued or martyred or whatever. It does mean that, but it means more than just that. The fellowship of his sufferings, you suffer by crucifying your flesh on a daily basis. It doesn't just mean somebody punches you in the nose because you believe in Jesus. It means when you shouldn't watch something and you choose not to, and you put your foot on the neck of that flesh and you crush its windpipe. 
Do you understand? So that flesh dies. That's called suffering because you wanted to do that thing. Your flesh wanted to do that thing and you crucified that flesh. You said no. So I want you to notice there's a couple things here that are very important. Notice that he talks about power and we could say accurately theologically the crucifixion of the flesh because that's what suffering includes here comes by knowing him. Amen. Do you see that? Amen. Power and the ability to live consecrated yes. comes by knowing him. Amen. It's very important that you understand that, the ability to live consecrated. One more time, 1 John 5, I already read it to you, but 1 John 1, 5, is that what I said? 1 John 1, 5, yes. Notice this, in the message which we've heard, declaring to you that God is out in him, there's no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Fellowship and darkness don't go. But relationship and darkness, they can go. But not fellowship. You can be saved and still in pornography. But that's darkness. But if you know God, which is deeper than being saved only, you know Him, you have fellowship with Him, you're going to partake of His sufferings. Meaning, you're going to have the power to partake of his sufferings, not just the power to see somebody healed of cancer, which is wonderful, but the power to say no to pornography. Because that's the fellowship of his sufferings, the crucifixion of the flesh. But did you notice, he says that I may know him, that I may have that power and live consecrated. The knowing produced that. Did you see here that the fellowship, which is equals the word knowing, fellowship and knowing are synonymous. This fellowship means there's no darkness. Notice in verse 7, and if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship. So the fellowship means I'm walking right. I'm walking in light. I'm consecrated. Now, of course, if I step out, then the blood of Jesus is there to wash me. Right? But the whole point is that we shouldn't be sinning on a regular basis if we know him. So I've given you a lot of scriptures, but I want to share something. I was driving home a few weeks back uh, from church, one of the services here, while we were still on live stream only. And the Lord started talking to me in the car. And he said a statement to me that, I, that basically I'm basing this whole message on. And he said, this, he said this phrase to me, which I thought was fantastic. I've never heard anybody say this before. I think God knows a lot more than whatever we've heard everybody say. Uh, so I can't take credit, but since I'm the one that he said it to, you have to put my name on it. Praise God. He said, positional truths are based on relationship. Experiential truths are based on fellowship. And I started thinking about that. Because I'm, okay, what does this mean? You've got to understand this. It's not a scary term. It's, it's easy to understand. Just concentrate for a second. There is something called positional truths or positional realities. That's a theological statement. And experiential truth or experiential realities. Positional truth means what God has given you in Christ, but it's up there in heaven. It, it's in your bank account, so to speak. It's who you are in Christ, seated in heavenly places. You have rights and privileges. But that doesn't mean you're experiencing it. It's available, but that doesn't mean you have it. Do you understand? Now, experiential truths or realities means what you are experiencing in living color, day in and day out, in normal daily life. The whole goal of the Christian walk is to take what he has provided in the position of who you are in Christ and appropriate that or cause that to come into your daily living so that you actually live what he provided for you. And a lot of Christians have it provided, but they don't live it. That's why we see Christians sick. 
That's why we see Christians die prematurely. That's why we see Christians that are cheats and liars and drunkards. That's why we see these are born again Christians on their go way to heaven. But they're in addictions and they're in sin and they're having extramarital affairs and fornication and all this nonsense, but they're born again. Because, but what God has provided, they cannot experience day to day. Why? Because you're born again, you have the relationship with God when you're saved, you've got a whole host of available things to you. But unless you fellowship with Him, you can't take what is the positional truth and turn it into an experience day-to-day -day living. Fellowship brings what is positional into the reality of day-to-day -day life. And I never really looked at it quite like that way before, honey. And it really helped me when he said that. He gave me an example. He said, do you remember the story that Pastor Nancy said, which of course I do, about the man that she saw on television who had sinned and slept with his secretary or wherever it was and had disgraced the ministry and all that stuff. And she thought to herself when she saw that years and years ago, she thought, to, whatever, it was sexual sin. I don't remember who he slept with. But anyway, he, he, he missed it, okay? And, and so she said, well, I guess that sin just took him out. And that's what people say. That's what a lot of people say, that sin took him out. I guess that sin was just too strong. That temptation, that pull was just too great. No, that's not it at all. And she said, Lord, I guess that sin was just too strong for him. And the Lord corrected her and said, no, that's not the right way to look at it. The sin is never too strong. Why? Because if you're born again, the promise to you positionally is sin shall not have dominion over you, which means sin is not stronger than who you are. Demons are not stronger than who you are. Nothing is stronger than who you are positionally in Christ. You are more, not a conqueror, more than a conqueror in him who loves us. But that's a positional truth. Most of us aren't more than conquerors day-to-day -day living. So this is where people get frustrated. All these great promises, but I'm not living any of them or I'm living some of them. I'm a bad person. No, it's not that you're a bad person. It's that you've got to get skillful in understanding how to take what's positional and bring it into reality. He said, no, that's not, the, what, that's not what it was. The sin wasn't too strong for him. He, the Lord said to Pastor Nancy, the problem in this situation and in every situation when dealing with this kind of stuff or any kind of sin for that matter, he did not, that pastor did not start his day with me and did not keep his heart turned toward me all day long. Oh boy, this is very important. So it's not, a not enough just to have your five-minute devotional in the morning out of your religious duty. Uh -huh. It's got to be a heart turned yes. to him. That means thinking of him regularly, talking to him regularly, Amen. whispering to him if, no, if you can't have other people hear you, musing in your heart about him, and anytime you can, getting away and just talking to him as though he was right beside you because he actually is by faith in your heart. But, but it's really, a, see, now this is called fellowship. What was God saying to her? This is what he said to me in the car. He said, you remember that story? He said, that pastor positionally in Christ had a right. He had divine rights and privileges in Christ positionally that sin did not have dominion over him. But in his reality of day-to-day -day living, that sin did have dominion over him because he couldn't take what was offered in the bank account of heaven and apply it in day-to-day -day life. Why? He didn't start his day with me. He didn't keep his heart turned toward me all day. What does that mean? He didn't have fellowship. Yeah, that's right. Did you notice that the fellowship makes no darkness at all? That's right. The fellowship, remember he said, uh, if we say we're in fellowship and we have darkness, we lie. Now, you can have a relationship and be born again and operate in darkness to a measure. 
And, and you understand? Because you're born again, but you're not experiencing everything in your day-to-day living. But if you have true fellowship with God and truly get to know him, now the power of God to crucify the flesh. Remember we heard that in Philippians? The, that I may know him and the powers of rejecting the fellowship of his sufferings. Then I'll be conformed unto his death. That means that the way Jesus lived, the crucifixion daily of the flesh, living pure, living holy, living consecrated, the power of God is not just to heal people, it is, but the power of God is to help me live right. But I'm not going to have that power unless I know him. What is that? Fellowship. Knowing is fellowship. Knowing is not relationship. Knowing is fellowship. Relationship is, is ankle deep. Fellowship is waters to swim in. That's the difference. Did you see that? I'm trying to help you from Scripture so I can prove to you what the Bible is talking about. If you know him, that's fellowship. You'll have the power to live right. And if you know him, 1 John, 5, 1 John 1, 5 to 7, if you know him, then you won't walk in darkness. But you'll have fellowship, light with light. Fellowship causes you to have the light. Relationship is ankle deep. When you get saved, it's ankle deep. It's not the be all and end all. It's the first step on a long marathon. You don't just get saved and stop growing. Otherwise, like Kanye West, the richest black man in the history of black people. Six billion, something like the crazy number. Something crazy. I don't know what it is. But I mean, just a beacon of I'm a success. Praise God for it. I'm just so thrilled. There's nothing to do with black or white. I'm just so thrilled that, you know, that people that had kind of started with nothing can prove that they can work their way up. I'm not saying everything he does is right or clean or good. I'm just saying he worked hard and he reaped the rewards of that. Okay, that's, I'm, not, I'm not politicizing it at all. I'm just making a statement, okay? I, just, I like to see people that work hard. They, they should get rewarded for it. So the richest black man in the history of the world got born again recently. And he went to... Osteen's church, and they put him up on the stage. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just telling you facts. Put him up on the stage and let him speak a bit and let him sing a bit. And he cut an album called Jesus is King or something like that. And it was a pretty good album. I haven't heard it, but I've heard people tell me that it was pretty good. Some stuff was okay. Some stuff, it's not anointed. It's just, it's just good, but it's not anointed. There's a big difference. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, but he, he, he's trying to live for Jesus, Right? Now, the worst possible thing a pastor can do is give a famous celebrity who's recently born again the microphone. That is the worst possible thing you can do because you're giving them an appetite that something you're special. No, no, you ain't not. You're no more special, Kanye, than granny over there who just got saved. In fact, you need to sit down, shut up and listen. You got nothing to say for us to listen to because you know nothing about God. Just because you're born again and you have a relationship with God don't mean you know anything about God. All you are is you've put your toe in the water of salvation and now you're saved. But there's a whole lake that you need to swim in. And we don't put novices. Paul said, do not give novices a position. So see what that, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying what those pastors do because of the, the fame and the big name. They think that now it's okay to give a novice position. And Paul said, don't do that. Don't matter how much money they have. That's true, amen. Now what happens is there's a devil, already an assignment against him before he got saved. Now there's a triple assignment against him now that he is saved. And so that devil starts to work on his mind till he almost lost his mind. 
Now he's divorced, now he's backslidden, and God knows where he's going to go with his Christian walk or where he's not going to go with it. I don't know. I'm just saying here's an example of somebody that thinks they know everything and they know nothing. Just because you've got money doesn't mean anything. Money doesn't matter to God. Your heart matters to God. A pure heart to learn matters to God. Not the color of your skin. Not how successful or unsuccessful you've been. Not how much education you have. Doesn't, God doesn't care about any of that. In fact, he tells pastors, do not show favoritism. He's very cautious. God says, you better, you better treat everybody the same in the church. The rich one and the poor one. Do not give the rich one a special seat. You read it in James and other, other verses. He says, you are not permitted, pastors, to give favoritism because they've got money. But you see, unfortunately today, people don't even read the Bible anymore, so that's what they do. And the worst thing you can do is give a novice a microphone because they don't have anything to say, but then they think they've got something to say. Because their money speaks. The world says money talks. But in God's kingdom, money don't talk at all. Now what, now what has to happen if he's going to go on with God? I didn't say go on in his music career. He could probably do that anyway. I don't know about his marriage because it seems to be over, but who knows about that? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I don't follow. I just hear people tell me stuff. That's only information I have. I don't read this stuff or whatever. I'm not looking for it. I'm using it as an example. The only way that that man, rich or not, is going to go on with God now that he has relationship is if he develops fellowship. Fellowship only comes by the word and prayer. Now, there are nine kinds of prayer, including worship. We've all prayed for 30 minutes tonight. Because when you lifted your hands and you worship God, it is the prayer of praise and worship. And you are fellowshipping with God when you pray any of the nine kinds of prayer. And when you're in the word, you're also fellowshipping with God. How do you grow in your fellowship? In the word and in prayer. So it's not about having a position or a title. It's not about ministry of helps or anything like that. Or how much money you make or how much money you donate. It's about sitting with a pure heart and saying, Father, I want to learn your word. Sitting at home in the private. Holy Spirit, teach me your word. Sitting at, in church so you can submit to an office. Holy Spirit, teach me through that minister your word. And Lord, I'm going to spend time praying in the different kinds of prayer publicly with the saints. And also I'm going to spend even more time praying in the privacy of my own home and all these different kinds of prayer. And the more that is developed, the, the deeper the water gets of fellowship and the more you know God and the more you know the way he thinks and the more the demons leave you and the more the sickness leaves you and the more the torment leaves you. And what happens? The more faith grows because when you're with God a lot, you're going to obviously trust him. I have a father, like all of us do, a physical father. I have a relationship with my father. I don't have any fellowship with my father. There's a big difference. I, I don't have a choice on the relationship because he's the one that made me. Right? I didn't, I didn't pick that. He, he made me. But I sure do have a choice about fellowship, but so does he. Fellowship is two-sided. It's not one-sided. You've got to have the other person want fellowship with you too. Right? So I have a relationship, but I don't have fellowship. Therefore, are you following me? Do I know him? Yes or no? Do I know my father if I have relationship but no fellowship? No. Because fellowship produces knowing. Now let me ask you another question. Can I truly trust him? Not really. Because fellowshipping with somebody... Have being intimate with them, yeah. getting to know them, yeah. 
makes you trust them. I trust my staff far more than I trust my natural father. Why? Because not that he's a bad person. I just don't know him because I don't spend time fellowshipping with him because that's just not on the cards right now in the way that he sees life and sees me and sees Jesus and sees all the other stuff. But I try and I'm praying that the relationship will develop into fellowship. But until I get a fellowshipping with him, I don't really know him, do I? I don't, I couldn't really stake my life on something with him because I don't really trust him because trust, what is trust? It's faith. So if you want to have faith in God, we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It comes by revelation knowledge. But we're, don't just quote the Romans 10, 17 like a mantra. What does it mean? Faith comes by hearing God's word. But what does that mean? You've got to know him. You've got to spend time with him. You've got to talk to him. Father, not religiously with my rosary. I'm talking to you, daddy. I want to know you. I want to know your way. Show me your glory. I want to have your power so I can live separate. I want to have your power so I'm not walking in darkness. I'm walking in light. Lord, but I got to know you. And as I get into your word and as I spend time with you in prayer, what's going to happen? Just that sheer time, which the word is much of that, I'm going to start to trust you more what is that faith comes now that I trust you more in my fellowship now here's the kicker I can now take the positional promise and by faith appropriate it into my daily life but fellowship takes what is in the relationship realm the promise of God the positional truth and fellowship transfers it down into your living reality day in and day out if you don't fellowship, you'll never truly know God and you'll never truly have faith and you'll never truly have your prayers answered. It's true. A lot of Christians want a relationship to go to heaven, but they just want to squeak their way in because they're distracted. I'm not against anybody. They're just busy, busy, busy. They got everything else going on and it's not really their priority to just spend time with God because Instagram is calling. Right? I'm not knocking Instagram. I just, I'm telling you, in our society, we have a lot of distractions. We have busy, busy lives. Everybody's got to make more money because everything is getting more expensive. God forbid you want to buy a house. You better have faith today if you want to buy a house. My God. Because it's just, it's ridiculous. You want to wait for the markets to cool off because if you're a buyer, my God. And some people said, well, pastor, it's a seller's market. I'm going to sell. And I said, yeah, but on the other side of the seller's market, it's a buyer's market. You still have to buy something. So don't just be too quick to sell because what you buy may be more than what you sold. <laughs> just be quick. And then I said, no, I take that back. Go ahead and sell it and then tithe. Praise God. Don't worry about the buyer market. Just tithe quickly. <laughs> Who cares about Let them figure that out. Just quickly sell and bring the tithe and the rest is up to you. Praise God. I'll use my faith with you. Praise God. I'm just saying you can't just look at the seller's market. You got to look at the other side of the coin too. Right? There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of pressure on everybody. There's a lot of stuff. There is. And so, to, I'm just being honest with you. If you're going to get to know God, I know this is very basic, but it's really important. If you're going to get to know God, it's going to take time. And it's going to take strong willpower. Not because you don't like spending time with God, although you may not feel it all that much at the beginning, so it does take, but it's going to take willpower to say no to the television and no to the kids and no to this and no to that. And some things that are good in your life are going to have to say no to. And the, the goal is to try to say no to the least important things so that the important things stay there. Like if you're a mom or a dad and you say, well, I'm going to spend time with God, but I'm not cleaning the house. 
well, don't ask me to come over because that's happened before and it's pigsty and it smells and there's toast in the couch and peanut butter and, and the seats and it's just, it's just a nasty mess. And then I look at them and I go, maybe you should pray a little less and actually clean. Maybe you should pray while you work because cleanliness is next to godliness. So if you really know God, you're going to be organized. You're going to be clean. Now I'm serious. I'm not, not kidding you. So we can get into ditches on this. Make excuses for not doing life because I have to pray. Remember that lady, Pastor Nancy, referring to another minister, this lady out in the, wherever it was, somewhere in North Dakota, somewhere way out in the, she had like six children, remember Jenny? And her f- husband was a rancher and she had a very, she had, had to wash the clothes by hand and cook the meal and take all, all the kids are at home, home. I mean, it's just, can you imagine how much work that must be for that poor lady? And yet, God said to this minister that Pastor Nancy's quoting, he said, he commended the lady. He said, because she, she holds that place of the Spirit. And she, that lady saw a little vision of that lady. And while she's putting, you know, those, now it's olden days, but, you know, used to be, you know, you'd get your sheets and your towels and you'd go out to the backyard and you'd put it over the, what do you call that? The, the laundry line. Now we all have, you know, dryers, but sometimes they don't have that. And so they let the air be your dryer. Let nature do it for you. And as she's doing that, the lady saw a vision. As she's doing that, she's singing in the spirit. She's fellowshipping with God. She's talking to him. She's worshiping him. She's meditating on the word. You see, she had a busy life, but she held that place of the spirit in her fellowship. And God said to that minister that Pastor Nancy quoted, he said, I commend that lady despite her busy schedule for holding that place of the spirit in fellowship with me. In other words, it's never too busy. Just when you're typing at work, just be careful of your volume. Right? Because if you're going to say, glory to God, that somebody's going to walk over and go, can I help you? Because <laughs> I remember once at customs, I was typing something and I just got, I, I forgot my volume. And the guy come up behind me. The, the, you know, the guy that's hungry, but the worst worker in the lot. I mean, he's just the, he's just the dregs, but he liked me for some reason. I think he saw Jesus because I, I kept saying, you need to do your work and have some character. Oh, no, I forgot that. But he liked to be around me. And he said, what was that language? Come with me. No, I'm working. No, you can do the work later. Come with me. Pray that again. I want to hear what that language is. I said, this is not show and tell, Brother John. I can't, I'm not just, this is not just me bringing my tongues to work so you can see them. But you see, he wanted to know what that, because he said, when I heard you saying that, it felt otherworldly. It felt something is like spooky. He used the word spooky, but it's not spooky. He doesn't know what to call the anointing, so he calls it spooky. Yeah. Right? Knowing Norval Hayes' daughter got healed of the 42 growth, she also said, Daddy, this is spooky. Daddy, this is spooky. Because the power of God can, to the natural mind, seem crazy, seem spooky. But it's not spooky. Spooky's bad. God's not bad. What I'm saying is just be careful as you're typing that you don't talk too loud. But my point is whether you're hanging clothes on a line in North Dakota or whether you're typing on your special ergonomic keypad, <laughs> you, can, you can develop skill in holding a place in the spirit with fellowship. Sure. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the Lord started dealing with me. He said, uh, you'll never get all that I have for you out of that bank account, so to speak, in heaven and into your daily life by just having relationship. Relationship is the position. The only reason you have it is because you're in relationship of salvation. But now that you want to walk in those promises, 
You've got to extract them. You've got to appropriate them. You've got to withdraw them. How do you do that? Fellowship brings them into your daily experience. Amen. The more you know God, the more you'll have trust and faith in God, and the faster you'll be healed. Yeah. I'm, I'm being honest with you. Come to the healing line, absolutely. But you shouldn't just depend on the healing line solely. Right? Did you notice that I don't have a healing line to go to? Did you notice that never once in 13 years has somebody else, other than when there's a guest minister, but in our service, nobody says, uh, I want a healing line and Pastor Craig, you come up because I'm the one giving the healing line. I don't got no healing line. If I don't live this in my personal life and get healed in my personal life, there is no healing line for me at church. Do you understand? Now, when I'm with Pastor Nancy, if, or a guest minister comes, and if I need healing, I go up. But I'm so kind of used to having to believe God myself because nobody's around to lay hands on me. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I'm forced to walk in that reality. I have to take the positional truths and make them experiential in my life because I can't rely on somebody just laying hands on me because there's nobody to lay hands on me. So I am forced, unlike maybe the congregation, that there is people to lay hands on you. So don't get lazy with the laying on of hands or with the praying. You don't want to say when I'm saying, I'm not, I know we're in COVID with all the rules and everything. I'm talking about, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When we have altar calls, we normally minister that way to you. Sometimes not, but usually that way. Don't take that advantage of that, but don't solely depend on that. Because you've got to learn to get some of this on your own. On top of which, there are some problems and diseases and sicknesses that require a greater measure of power, and that power may not be flowing to the point that you need it in the altar call. So you're going to have to learn to know God yourself. Remember, there's, there's really two sides of this. There's more than two, but I'm just making it very simple. The more you have fellowship and you know him, the more power there'll be to be conformed to his death, the fellowship of his sufferings, which means right living. Whatever sin that you're facing, the more you spend time with God, start your day with him, keep your heart turned toward him all day, and fellowship and know him. You will see faith will rise up within you to crush that. You will have, don't, don't, I'm so tired of people saying, well, it don't work for me. No, it does work. Because I've proved it. If it doesn't work for you, you're doing something wrong. You're not working it. If you spend time with Jesus, the power of God will rise up and will crush pornography. It will rise up and you'll put your foot on alcoholism. It will rise up and you'll crush lying. It will rise up and you'll crush that wandering eye, guys, mostly guys, but girls can be that way as well, where you're looking the way you shouldn't be looking. If you'll get to know God, he'll so fill you. Faith will rise. His, his character will rise. Himself will rise and you will have power to say no. So don't tell me it doesn't work. You're not working it. It does work. I've proved it. It works. Do you understand? So that's one side is right living. But what about all the other stuff that the power of God produces? It doesn't just help you crucify the flesh. When you have a headache, the power of God is there to help heal you. When you have a financial need, the power of God is there to break through. When you see somebody else sick, the power of God is there to flow through your hands as you lay hands on them. So the power of God is to help you live right, but the power of God is also to bring all these other things into your life. But the power don't work the same way if you don't know him. It can work through a minister that knows him because God has this amazing system. Even if you're not really up for it yet because you're not really doing it, uh, or maybe you are and you need a boost, or maybe you're not at all and you just need help, just come up because the minister has a certain thing flown through him or her, and when they touch you, that thing will come into you, to a measure. Right? 
So the person doesn't have to have any, any fellowship. They can just have a relationship and still get healed. Do you understand? But now listen, the longer you're in a church, you're responsible to develop fellowship. Which is why people that come in right away get healed quickly. But after a year, they don't get healed as often. Did the power leave me? No. But to whom much is given, much is required. What God has said is, you've just, you came, you didn't know nothing. You just had relationships. So, so the, the power of God, I'm going to give stuff to you for free just because I love you. But now you sat there for 12 months. Now you heard the word. I expect you to get to know me. I expect you to live what you heard. I expect you to study. I expect you not to be lazy. I expect you to seek my face. And I expect faith to come because remember, as you seek him, faith comes. I expect you to start trusting me on your own. So then if they don't do that and they're just, well, I, I'm just so tired. I'll just let Pastor Craig do everything. And they don't pursue it in their private life. Then a year later, they come up with the thing and there's half a measure of power goes into them and they don't have the full healing and they think, well, this doesn't work. Oh, no, it works. It's just that God expected you to do something yourself. It's still his power that's healing, but he expected you to connect with his power by fellowship more instead of just letting the minister do everything for you. So that is why you can have a, a healing line and, and I can feel the power go strong into some and not strong into others. Sometimes there's instant manifestation. Sometimes there's no manifestation. Why? Well, uh, if there's a whole group of people that are coming up and they all have different, a different spec sheet. Do you understand? They all have a file with God. And some are coming up just because I asked them to come up, but they're not releasing their faith. Others are coming up, but they're brand new babies in the Lord or young Christians, and God's going to do more for them because he's merciful. Others are coming up that's heard this for 30 years, and they should be getting this on their own, so God will do less. And then, but other times there's intercession that's been made for that individual, and God will do just as much as though they were a baby because somebody interceded for them. There's a lot of ways that this thing works. That's why you can't just judge and go, oh, uh, you didn't get it because this is your fault. You don't know. You can't judge. And we just said, everybody come unless God gives a specific call for a specific thing. We let everybody come. Just receive what you can. But I, I, I take the pressure off me. I used to have so much pressure on me that it was my responsibility to make sure that everybody got healed. And then Pastor Nancy, over the years, uh, and even before that, Dad Hagen really, but just listening to him, I started to learn, no, it's my responsibility to be ready and to minister, but it's not my responsibility to get everybody healed. And if they don't get healed, I'm not going to take the pressure on me because I know the power of God works, and it's up to me to prepare and be a conduit, but it's up to them to release their faith when they come and have fellowship with God in their private life so that God approves that, that, what, what, what is going into them. Do you understand? I don't know if I'm saying that right, but do you understand what I'm saying? Fellowship brings the positional realities into daily living. If you don't fellowship and get to know him, you won't ever truly trust him. If you don't trust him, you don't have faith. And it's faith that God looks for. It's faith that pleases him. It's faith. Without faith, you can't please him. Faith is what brings. That's the currency of heaven. Faith brings things into manifestation. But how can you have faith if you don't trust him? Faith is trust. How can you have faith if you don't know him? You've got to spend time with him to know him. This is so simple. But can I, and I end with this. Uh, if there is something that you have to, for example, let's say, I, ha- I have a, I, I, Lord, I have a right to cast out devils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a positional truth. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they'll listen to you. Are you listening? Yes. Because I've experienced this firsthand. I have a right to do it. Yeah, that's a positional truth. But if I don't spend time with them and build my faith, right. because he said, them that believe 
will cast out devils. No, notice it said in Mark 16, them that believe. Do you remember, notice what it says there in Ephesians chapter 1? It says, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Without believing, the power to cast out devils won't work right. What is believing? Faith. Where does faith come from? Fellowship. So you can be born again and have the right to cast out devils, but they don't come out when you tell them to come out. Why? Because you don't know God well enough. Man said to Norval, hey, my, their, their child or something died, they had a tragedy. God, why did God do this? You know, people always blame God. Why do they, why did the human nature is to blame. I don't know why people blame God so easy. He's God. He's, he's perfect. But people blame. Well, I don't know why I did it. And Brother Norval said this amazing statement to him. He's because the man was angry with God that this tragedy had happened in his family and he was holding God responsible. And the brother, brother Norval looked at him and said, brother, you just don't know enough. That's a powerful statement. In other words, what you know today in the low level of fellowship that you have was not enough to produce enough faith to get that miracle. So it didn't come and they died. They went home to be with the Lord. Get over it. Cry your tears. Let it go. And don't hold God. Don't, don't be angry at God because it wasn't God. Now the next time, develop your, your fellowship and your faith. So that the next tragedy that approaches you, you can speak to that thing and the power of God will work with you. Do you understand? And it will come to pass. So have you noticed I've been talking about two sides of a coin, the whole living right, consecrated lifestyle, sin, addiction, all that stuff. If you'll fellowship with him, you'll overcome that stuff. But also the power of God for all the stuff you need, finances, health, marriage, children, as well as healing other folks, as well as healing yourself. That power doesn't work right unless you know him because knowing him produces faith. So you didn't know enough, Pastor, Dr. Hayes said, you didn't know enough. It's not that God's mad at you. It's that you didn't know enough. What was he really saying, Jessica? You didn't know God well enough. What does that mean? You didn't fellowship with him close enough. We could also say you never had enough faith. Because if you fellowship and you know him, faith will be the result. And then the power of God always works with faith. And when you speak to that tragedy, it will obey you. But if you don't know him well enough, it won't obey you because just because you have a right to it doesn't mean it will work. Are you, are you are those at home, are you listening? No one is mad. What, so we can say that for casting out devils. We can say the same thing for healing. Just because you have a right for healing, you got to get it to work for you. My relationship as born again gives me the right, but that don't mean it works. I've got to get some power into that hip socket to fix that nerve. If you've got, what's that? Awful nerve thing. Sciatica. Oh, I feel so sorry for people because I had, a, a, had that very shortly and I smoked that thing by the power of God real quick. I said, I had it for less than half a day and it left me because I, I know God and it's not touching my body. That's my property. You are not allowed to touch my property. You get off. You hear me? You get off. But you see, you've got to have a bit of a... Hmm. Not, well... Mr. Devil, when you have time, I'd like an appointment with you. You know, I really don't appreciate this, Attica, but, but I know that you don't have too many other people to put it on, so maybe when you get around to it, just have it leave me. That don't work. That don't work. Uh, we're laughing, but that's how some people pray. <laughs> that's the attitude that they pray. They're begging the devil. You don't beg the devil, you command the devil. You don't beg sickness, you command sickness. You don't beg sciatica. You don't beg high blood pressure. You don't beg glycoma. You don't beg hair loss. You command it and it will obey you if you believe. 
It don't work if you don't believe. Where does the believing come? Fellowship. What is fellowship? Time with God. Lessen the distractions and spend more time with him. And more faith will come. And then what he promised, you will live. Amen. Amen. Let me say this as I close because the Lord said this specifically to me and I don't want to say names, but if you're watching, see, it all matters if people watch because there's answers for people tonight if they'll watch. How many pastors was that? With Bill Matthews, member in Africa, was it 106 pastors or something? This is pastor so-and-so. This is his wife's name. This is the town that they're from. This is the name of their church, and they're not interested. Jesus went down the next one. This is pastor so-and-so. This is his wife's name. This is his church's name. This is the town they're from, and they're not interested. A hundred pastors, over 106 or something. Out of 106 or whatever the number was, over 100, I remember that. Uh, there were three. Three that Jesus said, this is the pastor. This is his wife's name. This is the name of the church. This is the name of the city, and they're interested in what I'm doing. That shows me they were all attending the same healing crusade, but 98% or whatever that was, 97%, whatever it was, weren't interested. They're just there because it's their job as clergy. But God doesn't want you to just come because it's your job as a member of Promise of Life. Right. Well, it's my job. I have to go. You know, hopefully it will be really short today. Hopefully Taylor doesn't get all excited and expect us to like dance or something because I really hate it when that happens. You know. And hopefully there's an offering, you know, he's always asking for my money. But anyway, hopefully that will go quick. You know, anyway, praise God. I'm just going to go because I have to. Well, but then, if you, then you're not interested. You're doing it out of a duty, but you're not doing it out of a heart that's interested. God is looking for interested people. I am interested. Can I tell you something? If you don't spend time with Jesus, you're showing him you're not interested. You're not interested in the covenant. You're interested in escaping fire and brimstone. You're interested in not going to hell, but you're not really interested in all the glories of heaven coming into your earthly experience before the rapture. If you spend time with him, you're showing him, Lord, I'm interested in you. I love you. And I'm not really just doing this so I can get healed or so I can have all this stuff. I like all that too. But Lord, I'm really just doing this because I love you. I just really want to spend time with you. You really got to ask yourself, do you really love Jesus? Like you really have to ask yourself, it comes back to that simple thing. I don't know if you guys remember that we're at Evangel in Judson Cornwell. Yes. Jesus loves me, this I know. He just a, he's, a, he's a master theologian yeah, yeah. with I don't know how many letters behind his name, written I don't know how many books. I mean, he is virtually genius level. And he was, he, the, the smarter you are, the simpler you make it. Yeah. Pastor Nancy always said that you can tell if somebody really understands it by how simple it is. And he just talked, he would just talk about getting to know Jesus and loving him. I remember what well, he talked about lots of things, but I remember that was one that really impacted me about the love of God and how, and he had everybody sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He just had us sing it. It's such a simple little song, but he had us close our eyes and say, now think about Jesus as you sing that. Fall in love with him again. Go home and sit down, turn the TV off and just talk to him. Amen. Worship him a little bit. Read a bit of the word, but spend time with it. I love what Pastor Nancy said to the ministers just a couple weeks ago because she does like an online Bible school that, I, that I'm part of and Taylor and a number of other ministers are a part of. And she teaches us about once or twice a month. And she said, guys, don't make it so rigid. She said, some days you're not going to get to your list of calling everything. Well, I call that in and I call that in. Some days the Holy Ghost don't want you to call. She said, some days you won't read the Bible. <laughs> because the Holy Ghost isn't interested in that that day. Some days, he'll just want you to worship the blood. Mm -hmm. 
Some days he'll just want you to pray in tongues. Some days it will be a combination of seven different things with equal time given to each. Some days it will just be to sit quietly and not say a word. Some days it will be burden of intercessory prayer with groanings that can't be uttered. Some days it will just be the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. She said, the problem is we, have a, we go into our time with God, our fellowship time, with a preconceived notion of what it should look like. Otherwise, we're going to feel guilty. But who, 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 who told you that? You shouldn't have a preconceived idea. It's whatever the Holy Ghost inside you is prompting you for that day. Now, if you go 300 days and you never read a scripture verse, I would venture to say that you weren't listening to the Holy Ghost the whole time because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will exalt the word. He always leads to the word. But I've had days where I don't read a single verse of scripture because the Holy Spirit is having me do something else. And I have days where I don't pray at all. All I do is read the word. And there's some days where all I do is study one verse and there's other days where I read 30 chapters. And there's some days where I intercede and other days where all I do is sing. In fact, during that fast, there was a lot of days where I kept trying to, Lord, let me do something more. This can't be all that there is. But every time I'd pray, it was ha, 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 ha. And I just laugh. I mean, for hours, I just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And then I say, Lord, this feels so good, but I, this is too good to be true. You've got to put something hard on me. Give me some burden where I'm groaning or something. Give me some hard scripture that I don't understand that I've got to study. Give me something hard, Lord. You can't just ask me to laugh all day. There was at least 10 days of that fast. That's all I did. Ha, 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 ha. The whole day I just laughed. You say, well, what God, well, God is, re- I'm releasing faith in that laugh so God can fix things in the church and in your life and in my life. So there's some days where you just laugh. So instead of regimenting what your fellowship should be, let the Holy Ghost be your guide and it will always stay sweet and fresh and new and vibrant and living and it will never get stagnant. It will never get old and you'll start looking forward to time with God instead of it being, oh yeah, uh, where's the Bible? Oh God, here we go again. Uh, Lord bless you. And now I've done your 30 seconds and I've done my devotions and I've done my religion. You're no better than the Catholic that says, full of Mary, full of grace, and listen, oh Lord, I love thee. I don't know the rosary. I'm not Catholic. But you know, all they do is repeat prayers. There's no connection there. Some of you are guilty of the same. You just do your little confession list and your little this, and there's no life of the Spirit. That's why you don't look forward to it. Listen, if you don't look forward to it, you won't do it. You'll do it when you feel guilty enough, but when a day where you're busy, oh, it will go by the wayside. Why does, the, why does the man get up at 5 a.m. for the golf tea time at 6 a.m., but he won't get up to pray because he really wants to play golf? Whatever you want to do, you will find the way and the money and the strength and the time in the schedule, no matter how busy you are, whatever you really want, you will accomplish. So the key is I'm trying to get you to want to spend time with Jesus because if you want the fellowship, you will always make time for the fellowship. So how do we get to want this? Let the Spirit guide you in every session. I'm telling you, and it becomes fresh. Barbara, it's fresh. I never know from one day to the next what it's going to be. Because some days it's more of one than the other. Some days it's a combo. Some days it's a single thing. But I know it's what the Spirit wanted that day. And what am I doing? I'm fellowshipping. I'm getting to know him. And what's happening? Power is starting to flow. Why? Because faith is building and power is flowing. Power is flowing for me to live right. Power is flowing for my healing. Power is flowing to protect my children. Because I'm fellowshipping with them. And I've got to do a lot more of it. I'm not trying to make myself on a pedestal because I've got a long way to go just like you do. But today, you know, there's some guys, kids at the school that are, you know, bothering one of my children. And, you know, my wife and I have been concerned. And what does the mind say? Well, call the school and threaten them. Because they're scared of bullying. They're scared of lawsuits. 
So I looked in the Bible. Is there anything that says I can't sue the school board? Well, it says take your brother not to court, but they're devils. I can take the devil to court. They're not my brother. I'm going to sue them because they won't stop that bullying. So that's my mind. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm saying you've got to be led by the Spirit, but that wasn't the Spirit leading me. I'm just angry. Do you understand? So, you know, when you're angry, you, you spout a lot. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Just shut up and just go pray. Because you rarely do all the stuff you say you're going to do. If you're spiritual. And so we just started to pray. And then out of the blue, the Holy Spirit, recently, I heard him say just in the middle of the day, he said, there's an evil spirit. He said, bind that evil spirit right now. And I did very quickly, very simply, but because I fellowship with him, I have faith and I believe that demon will listen to me. It didn't take long, but I did it. And then, and then I just, I'm just waiting for the next, if there is another instruction, because you don't have to get legalistic on the eight C's either. I claim this, amen, by angel. You don't have to get religious on those eight C's, but you gotta, that's a good framework, but let the Holy Ghost guide you. And I heard him say, release angels to, to assist him and protect him today. And I did. And then he came back because there was been some rough times recently. And, and I said, how was today? I didn't tell him what happened. I said, how was it? He goes, oh, it was such a good day, Dad. They left me alone. They've been harassing me. They left me alone. And I smiled. And he said, why? What happened? I said, I bound the devil's son and I released angels. And those angels are going to keep working with you. Amen. Wow, Daddy. Wow. Wow. That works. Well, of course it works, fool. <laughs> Remember? I pity the fool. Remember? <laughs> what is his name, Dr. Mr. T? I pity the fool. <laughs> I pity the fool that deals with my, with try to touch my children. I pity that devil fool because they don't know who they're dealing with. I may not look much on the outside, but I'm much bigger on the inside than I'm on the outside. Do you, do you understand? Because, but it all comes back to fellowship and it all comes back to wanting fellowship or you won't really do it. And it all comes back to letting the Holy Ghost guide you in the fellowship so you want it. And I will end, that's in the fourth time, so fourth time is the last time. There's four revivals, four closures, every sermon, so this has to be it now. But let me just remind you that, uh, that God said to a famous minister that when they were asking about Dad Hagen, why, Lord, did his ministry only take off when he was 66? 66 is old. Why? He only had 21 years of global know knowing out of 70 years of preaching. 66 to 87. Why, when he was 66, did the ministry take off? And God dealt with that minister and said, I had to get him to a place. Yeah. What a statement, Lorraine. It took God 66 years to get Kenneth Hagin to a place. When he finally got to that place, yeah. so don't feel like you're behind. Okay? Because this is the Kenneth Hagin, great man, we're talking 66 years to get him to a place. What was that? How did God get him to the place? Are you listening? Fellowship. If he didn't fellowship, he would have never got to that place. I won't say the name, but a great minister. Well, okay, I won't say, but she's come to our church before. Very close with Dad Hagin, was like a daughter to him. Standing on the platform with him, 12,000 people in the auditorium. They're all singing like banshees. You know, like Baptists around a campfire. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, hollering to the, to, hollering to the, oh, singing. Yeah, they're just singing. And she said, Lord Jesus, look at this now. Look at these 12,000 people worshiping you. And she had an open vision. 
Her eyes opened into the realm of the Spirit, and with all those 12,000 people, she saw a shaft of light coming out of the head, right through the being, out of the top of the head of one individual, and then another shaft there, and another shaft there, but maybe less, I don't know exactly how many, but it seemed like very few compared to the 12,000. I don't even think there was 1,000 shafts. I I mean, it was like 100 or a couple hundred. It wasn't many. Out of 12,000 people, only just a few shafts. And the Lord said to her, just because there's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was, the gist of it was, just because they sing doesn't mean they're worshiping. He said, the ones you see the shaft of light coming out of their head, those ones are worshiping me in spirit and in truth. The rest are just singing. Are you listening? So when I come in, I'm not knocking any of you, but I'm just talking plain with you because you don't come here just for, just for patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. When I come in and I, I'm not judging, I, don't, I try not to look at anybody, just look down, but sometimes I can't help it. When I, when I come in and I see people just while Taylor's singing, you know what that tells me? You don't have any fellowship with God at home. Because if we're creating the atmosphere and you can't even enter in in a created atmosphere, I guarantee you, you're not doing it when you have to create it yourself. So fellowship is worshiping Him wanting badly enough to connect with Him. When I worship, I, I, I really, with all my heart, connect with God. I know there's a shaft of light coming out of my head. But I know a lot of people just sing the song, Taylor. They're in their mind. They're thinking about tomorrow. They're thinking about the fish they ate tonight. and They're thinking about all these things, and they're singing. And it looks to the naked eye that they're worshiping, but they're just singing. But you see, God wants the fellowship and there was very few out of the 12,000 that were fellowshipping with him. Mm-hmm. Did you see what I'm saying? Without me hurting anybody, did you see that? Yes. When, when Dad Hagen was at a light and there was a crippled man in a wheelchair going by in front of the car, and the minister said to him, Dad Hagen, can God heal that? And Dad Hagen said, if somebody will pay the price, he can. Meaning it takes a tremendous measure of power to get that person out of the wheelchair, but it will work if somebody pays the price. What is paying the price, Jenny? Fellowship. If, you, if people will wait on him and seek him long enough, faith will rise strong enough, power will flow mightily enough, and the person will jump out of the wheelchair. So I say, listen to me, and I end with this. This is the fifth end now, Taylor. I, I end with this, that if you are believing God for a major thing in your life, in your child, in your job, in your body, whatever it is, small or great, but especially the ones that look impossible, The power of God is only going to work out of a place of fellowship. The price that has to be paid, my brother and sister, is the price of fellowship. It's waiting on God long enough to please Him, to trust Him, for faith to soar. And that can take months. That can even take years. Until finally the faith is at the measure where it will overcome. The power will work and overcome that problem that you're facing. Any child can be healed of any condition including raising from the dead. Any person can be restored from any financial ruin. Any addict can be healed, no matter how bad the addiction is. Any marriage can be restored, no matter how awful it is. There is nothing impossible to them that believe. But it's all based on somebody paying the price. Somebody has to be interested enough. Somebody has to want to seek God enough. And the longer they seek God, God can get you to a place. Remember when Pastor Nancy, after 18 months of speaking to the devil, speaking to the devil, speaking to the devil, speaking to the devil, he don't listen, he don't listen. 18 months of torment. The Lord said, praise me. 
That was the weapon for that moment. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thousands of times over seven days. Felt like nothing was happening. Felt no anointing. And then sitting there, God whispered and said, rebuke it now. I've been rebuking it, but not from this place. Yeah. Yeah. See, God uses that word place a lot. He had to get Brother Hagin to a place in the spirit for there to be increase, but the fellowship brought him to that place. He had to bring Pastor Nancy to a place in the spirit where there was enough power to get, drive that demon away. But fellowship, praise was fellowship, yeah. brought her to that place. Yeah. God can heal your child no matter how bad the situation is. No matter how impossible the case is in your life, no matter what it is, for healing, finance, it doesn't matter. God can do it if people will pay the price in fellowship to get the faith level high enough so that it matches the power of God and it overwhelms the devil Amen. or the sickness or the finance or whatever it is. But it all comes down to getting to a place. Yeah. How do we get to that place? Fellowship. Just because God promised you something don't mean it's going to work for you. You go to the grave because you didn't get it from positional into reality. How are you going to do it? Just spend time with him. Just spend time with him. It's easy. It's the easiest answer. He could have said you have to work. He could have said you have to write a thesis. He could have said you have to get a PhD and otherwise it won't work. He just said, spend time with me. Spend a lot of time with me. And if you listen to the Holy Ghost, you'll want to spend time with him. You'll look forward to the spending time with him. And as you continue to fellowship, the water level rises. It goes from relationship to fellowship. And now you're swimming in that relationship and that fellowship with God. And now the faith is strong. And now you've, been gone, now you've gone to a place. Now when you speak, the thing will listen. Now when you pray, the answer will come. But the fellowship will get you there. You with me? Yes, amen. We got a lot of promises. Don't matter that they're promises. It matters that you can get them into your life. That's true. <laughs> I, I forget it was in England, but this lady, that was, she, she died. They were going through her stuff, and they found a, 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 a framed bank thing, stock thingy. And she didn't know what it was. Remember that, Taylor? Yes, yeah. And the family said, what is it? Oh, my goodness, what is this? And they took her to the bank. She was in very low income, very poverty ridden. She didn't know what the thing was. She couldn't read it properly. And they took it to the bank and it was over a million pounds. It was a bank stock in her name, but she didn't know what it was. And so the family cashed it in and they sure enjoyed it. But that poor lady had it on the wall. Looks at it, isn't that pretty? While living in poverty. Because she didn't know what it was. See, we've got, what we do is we frame by my stripes you are healed. Oh, isn't that nice? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You're so sweet, Lord. And we leave it on the wall. But, but we never get healed because we're admiring the promise, but we're not appropriating the promise. Take it out of the frame, take it to the bank and cash it in. And live off it. Do you understand? Live off it. Be, be, be healed. Be restored. Be blessed. But don't admire the promise and then cry about it because you're so grateful. Right? Don't just admire it. Use it. Take it out and take it to the bank. How do you do that? Spend time with him. As you spend time with him, you're taking it off the wall. As you spend time with him, you're pulling it out of that glass, uh, you know, partition. As you spend time with him, you're going to the bank. As you spend time with him, you're saying, cash this in. As you're spending time with him, faith is growing. The power of God starts moving. And the promises that you've admired on the wall will actually be in your physical bank account that you can use Monday to Friday Amen. and Saturday and Sunday too. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've tried to help you tonight. It comes back to knowing Jesus. 
It comes back to knowing Jesus. I, you know why the Lord had me do this whole thing? Was for two families in this church. He said, don't say their names so I won't, but that's why I keep looking at the camera because I hope and pray to God they're watching. And they're believing for some seriously impossible in the natural things. And it's not going to come because people complain or whine or get nervous or keep telling God their problem. God knows your problem. It's going to come because you spend time with him and you get your faith to the point where now the, God takes you to a place. And now what you say works. And now that child changes. Now that financial situation changes. Now that impossible disease leaves. It's spending time with Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I bless you and I thank you. I thank you for these precious ones that are here and that are watching. Lord, you said to me yesterday, teach on this Wednesday night, son. That's tonight. So I know I had your specific command and mandate for this particular service. There's many other things I could have preached on, but you said this is the right thing for tonight. That means that for the people sitting here need to hear it. And people watching from home need to hear it. And there's people not watching that will watch the archives later that need to hear it. And Lord, if all of us will be led by the Spirit in our prayer times, it will be fresh and alive and wonderful. And we will, it will be the thrill of our soul to spend time with you more than it will be watching television, more than it will be other nice things. None of them are sinful. But Lord, we've got to get to the point where we are just thrilled yes. with fellowshipping with you. And it's all we think about. And it's what we want more than anything else in this world more than even our spouses, more than our, our, our social agendas. It's what we want more than anything. And Lord, when we get to that place and that fellowship, you'll take us to a place in the spirit, our faith will soar. And then when we start to appropriate what is promised, it will start to work in our day-to-day -day life. And we'll see it manifest. Father, we, we have relationship, but we desperately want fellowship. Amen. Help them that are struggling with sin, that fellowship will break the power of darkness. Help them that are struggling with sickness or any other form of financial, whatever it is that they're struggling with, marriage issues. Lord, fellowship will cause the power of God to break that. Nothing is impossible to them that have faith, and faith comes by fellowship. So, Lord, let us spend more time with you than ever before during this COVID season, and we will see the power of God move more. Why, Lord? Because we're one of those three pastors that are interested. Father, I'm interested in you. I'm interested in Jesus. I'm interested in learning how to get my faith to work. I'm interested in taking the, the frame bang stock and cashing it in so I can enjoy it. I'm interested in not just talking about the promises, but living the promises. So, Lord, I thank you for it. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.